Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. Creativity. Yep, creativity. It's all the rage these days, isn't it? Yeah. But today, I'd like to talk about the little-known aspect of creativity that is born more of pain than of passion. See, it seems that these days, corporate culture is desperate to motivate, some might say hoodwink, the growing legions of their alienated workers. It seems that the, the product of one's labor is becoming more and more remote from the laborer. Imagine the sensibly dressed middle manager boxed in a cozy cubicle staring into a computer with little or, or, or no connection to the actual practical outcome of their efforts. As white-collar work becomes more and more depersonalized and, and, and the workers become more and more interchangeable, business leaders have had to come up with all sorts of novel ways to make their people feel, well, special. Now, that cubicled class, those people that we used to refer to as bureaucrats are, are now, to use a current though weary term of art, empowered to behave like leaders. Now, putting aside for a second the strange outcome of this, this rosy aspiration, after all, if, if everyone were turned into a leader, well, soon we'd run out of those willing to be led. Anyway, wouldn't you know it? But now artists are the valued metaphor as um, the em empowered embodiments of the autonomous imagination, as if, as if, as if, as if the sovereign mind were, were something that could be summoned by a spreadsheet. It's all now about creativity, but if these new corporate thought leaders had any real contact with any real live artists, they'd soon find out that it's not so easy calling up the angels without stirring the devils as well. I'm afraid that like heavy machinery, the creative life is best approached with extreme circumspection. I'll tell you a story. Now, when the artist Carol Lynn Carmi was evicted from her London studio, she fell into what is known as the existential domino decline, or uh, EDD, if you like. Now, she quickly found a new studio, in fact, a, a better studio with, with better light and, 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 and better ventilation. It was even a little bit bigger than her old studio. So it wasn't the dislocation that got to her, no. Carolyn, as most of my listeners know, is an extremely well-respected painter. One might even call her a painter's painter, a categorization that incidentally she, she can't stand. And um, her career follows a, a fairly 
typical trajectory of, of, of regular exhibitions, warm to tepid reviews, modest sales, the occasional grant or fellowship, and enough teaching jobs to keep the whole business afloat. No, what triggered her EDD, her existential disturbance, wasn't the dislocation or the interruption to her rigorously disciplined painting schedule, no. What ignited her personal ontological insurrection was when she was packing up her stuff, filling up boxes in preparation for the move. I was there. I gave her a hand when I could, but mostly I listened. Anyway, like many artists, Carolyn is only able to get herself out of bed each morning by the gentle prodding of an, an elegant fiction that earnestly repeats with an insistent rhythm, Carol, you are great. Carol, you are great. Carol, you are the greatest. And, and, and only after her morning coffee does she allow herself the indulgence of that essential self-mockery that, that is scathing in its honesty and mercilessly deflating, but by then the day is well on its way and there's no turning back and, and, and she's painting. Now, the result of this cognitive yoga is found in the solid body of work that Carol Lynn managed to produce over a 25-year career. Artists, unlike most people, can't stand, really can't afford even to entertain the idea that they are most likely a living, breathing, knotted mass of mediocrity. And so, buried in work and buttressed by an intricate web of fantasies and justifications, artists like Carolyn managed to fill the already crowded cultural stage with their doodling. But like musical chairs, when, when the song suddenly stops and a radical shift in priorities ensues, like in Carolyn's case, the, the, the music stopped when she started packing. Photos and exhibition catalogs and newspaper clippings weathered notebooks with random observations that undoubtedly seemed germane or even profound when they were hurriedly added between the margins of scrap paper to say nothing of old photographs, postcards and letters, post-its and, 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 and reminders scrawled on the backs of envelopes and dinner napkins. This avalanche of Madeleine stirred in Carolyn so many mixed emotions that she began to lose the firm footing that sustained her creative life for all those years. But the biggest existential domino fell when she began to pack up her work. Paintings and drawings, the products of hours and hours and hours and hours of lonely labor a testament to a life full of deliberate intent and astonishing ingenuity lay before her like a grand synopsis of a life that suddenly now seen in retrospect seemed ridiculously insignificant.
Even those closest to her had lost interest in her steady stream of beautiful pictures. Even her husband, the, the architecture critic, Charlie Shemin, had long ago lost interest in his wife's hermetic practice. He, he rarely visited her studio, and when he did, he never bothered to comment on the work, propped up on easels and leaning like vagrants against the paint-stained walls. He, he would come to her openings, but usually stood off in a corner, usually sipping a Pinot Noir and reliably scrolling God knows what on his cell phone. Like I said, I, I was there when all this transpired, and there were times when Carolyn was close to tears, murmuring to herself how her whole life had been a symphonic exercise in futility and self-deception. When I pointed out that she had had little choice in the matter, that it was her destiny to live as an artist regardless of the consequences. She, she chuckled and, and said, yeah, yeah, Timmy, but you too, you too, Timmy, are part of the joke. You, you too are a, a person of action. You too, Timmy, are part of what we presumptuously call the creative, imaginative, independent life of the mind. And, and you too, Timmy, may very well also be stacked and loaded and full of that proverbial horseshit. So much for the third rail of creativity. Join us again next time as we search perhaps in vain for the happy side of the lives of contemporary artists.